0: leaders 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 welcome to leadership fire i'm your host as always michael jingrass and we are here once again in the speak fire studios (laughs) but guys today we are going to preempt your regularly scheduled leadership fire and we are going to bring you another fireside round table what's going on everyone
1: welcome to the fireside the fireside
0: round table let's get fired up Welcome to the fireside. It's coming. Sean B. It's Aisha Thomas. Jody Cedric. Bobby Bird. Michael Gingras. Neil Legend. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we are Speak Fire.
0: And this is the Fireside Roundtable. Round Table.
2: Round table? You gonna laugh at that one. <laughs>
3: good morning and good afternoon this is a special edition of speak fire my name is jody Cedric. i'm the host of father's fire and i'm just going to do a quick introduction for everybody while we're going live to our different pages and our personal uh sites because we're having a very candid open discussion about the murder of george floyd earlier in the week and the ensuing uh, ripple effects that that has caused across our nation and of course having an incredible dialogue among friends and peers. And so we as a SpeakFire family thought we would get together uh, since we are such a diverse background and we thought that we would uh, go live and have a conversation. So let's go around the table. We'll start out with Michael Jean Grass. He's the handsome guy up in the upper left or my left. Uh, he hosts Leadership Fire. The lovely queen to my right, that is Aisha Thomas. She hosts, sorry, Internal Fire, and I was like having to, we have so many fires, I have to get them all. Bobby Berg in the lower left, he's Student Fire. Sean Brasfield, my boy in the middle, right below me. He is with Young Fire, and of course, Neil Legend, who always has incredible energy, is the host of Champion Fire, so we are super, super excited. Um, like you guys, I'm sure every night, every day, it has been a conversation of topic. And I think what has been the biggest show, the biggest eye-opener for America wide is we, overall, is that we actually witnessed um, in very real time the murder of somebody else through the abuse of power by somebody that should be entrusted to protect and serve, and I think that has been one of the most uh, raw thing. In addition to um, the sheer abuse of power for a black brother, um, and so I thought it would be good to start out with, you know, what are the conversations that you're having in at home, and let's start there, and then. Let's talk about, after that, some things that we, in our own circles, can do to create an impact. So I'd actually like to start with Aisha. Um, I, she always has such wisdom and insight that I thought it would be good to let the lady go first. And let's talk about, you know, what are the kind of conversations that you're having in your home?
1: Well, um, for me, you know, of course I have children. I'm a single mother of two. I have a son and a daughter. Um, and I always tell people my experience is very different because there's so many different topics that affect me in different ways because I'm West African, right? So I have the immigrant connection. Then I have a father who practices Islam. He's a Muslim. So I have, you know, that dynamic, which has been, you know, a big issue um, in the past, and people have their uh, biases and feelings about those who practice, you know, Islam. Um, I also am. Am someone that didn't really understand slavery until I came to the United States because again from the background I come from I'm African I come from my culture I know exactly where I came from and it wasn't until I was in the classroom and I started to hear this thing about slavery and this person called Martin Luther King Malcolm X and the civil rights and I was like what wait what happened so although it's like I, I have so many different experiences and I have a son that I'm raising as well and The interesting thing is, like, as I grew up, like, a lot of African-American males and females have to tell their children about what you should do when you interact with the people. P- police about discrimination, but uh, my parents would have never had to have that conversation with me back home because the police officers look like us. We don't deal with the kind of things and the American experience that black Americans have, um, so for me, it's really, it's like I'm literally a part of the first generation in my family having to have these conversations that they never had because, again, we were so connected to our culture. We were connected to our people, um, so for me, and you know, again, my son, he's seven years old, and just the idea and the thought of when he goes out and just kind of what the experiences he has. And I haven't been really able to talk to them yet. You know, um, we were watching a movie last night, Just Mercy. And, you know, my children were just watching it. But it's like I'm not I don't know when is the right time when to have that conversation because they're so young, but the reality is for my community, for my children, there will be a time where I have to have that conversation because my daughter has been bullied because she has dreadlocks. She she had that experience just today when we went to church. You know, so it's like there's so many different conversations I need to have and I just don't know when is the right time to have it. Um, but for me, I'm just working through the the mindset of Aisha, you will have to have this conversation with your kids at some point.
3: Yeah. You know, I I think that's one of the biggest challenges is how do you have the conversation with your kids? Um, Because I mean, my, my daughter who we adopted from Haiti, I mean, she has been very vocal about her feelings. She's like, mom, dad, you know, how do I, how do I, how do I reconcile how I'm feeling inside with what I saw? And how do I talk to my friends about it? Because one of the things that she's been really frustrated about, you know, being in Idaho, I mean, Idaho is white bread as they come. I mean, it's, it it is really white bread. Right. And so a lot of her friends, they just don't have experience with half African-American or Haitian people. And so like one of the things that really frustrates her is they always want to touch her hair or asking her about her hair. She was like, get tired of having the same conversation over and over. And I'm like, well, I go and I get that, but on the same token, you have to recognize it's brand new to them, just like they're brand new to you in some ways. And so one of the challenging parts is how do we have the conversations that are very difficult so that we can help all of us grow together? And I know Sean, you have young kids and your kids been asking you some really tough questions. So since we're talking about kids and talking to them, let's go to you and your experience about talking to your boy um, with what's been going on,
4: and with well, with me, I'm a, I'm kind of in the same boat as Aisha because, like, again, my my kids are relatively young. Uh, my youngest turns four this month, and then my middle girl she'll be seven next month. My oldest, but he'll be nine in August. So he's the more uh, of my focus right now because we had a conversation about. It, I was trying to ease into it, kind of taught him a little bit about what's going on without like being so potent with it. But uh, when I asked him, you know, does he understand anything's going on? And one of his first questions back to me was, well, dad, didn't Dr. King take care of that already? And I'm like, wow, um, no, son, I, I wish, I wish he, he would have, but he made some great headway, but uh, it's showing that we still have a long way to go. But, um, you know, I was stuck. I I literally got stuck in trying to answer uh, his inquiries. Then he said, well, you know, kids in my school like they don't hate me. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, well, that's, that's good. But in my back of my mind, I'm saying in due time, as you get older, that will sadly change because the, the quote by James Baldwin came to my mind when he said, you know, with as long as your skin is black that's the weapon that they see you'll forever be armed and in in due time with his experience in in this nation he'll he'll have to face the ugliness of that as as he gets older and i start thinking like what at what point in his age does he go from cute and just cool to looked at as dangerous you know
0: Mm.
3: so bobby let's go to you next buddy i mean you're you're up in alaska um what if what have your experiences been with your wife because you don't have children but also with your community in discussing you know this really raw experience that we have had as as americans
5: so it's very unique up here in alaska especially in anchorage um personally i have not felt any sort of racial bias or anything while being up here, which for me is the first time in my life that's ever happened. And I remember once this, once the news broke of this, you know, terrible incident, Jenny kind of looked at me and she goes, you know, I, I can't believe this. Like has anybody looked at you differently or treated you differently? I'm just asking from a place of honest, you know, intrigue. And I was like, well, no. And I had to actually think about it for a second and like let that feeling settle in. I was like, I've never felt that from, from, you know, I grew up in North Royalton, Ohio, which I mean, when I grew up there, there were, there were, there was one, maybe two black families in the whole city. And I always got looked at. I always was the butt of the joke. It was always directed at me. And I I was like, I don't, that just seemed normal. Because that's just what we did. I didn't. I didn't know any different. And now being up here, especially with this incident, I've, I, that didn't happen. People are now looking at me and going, "Hey, so can I get your perspective on this?" I don't. I know how I think about this, but I don't really think that's right because I've just lived in Alaska my whole life. Can I get a completely, you know, neutral outside perspective? And I'm like, "Whoa, wait, wait, what?" It, it's it's such a culture shift because I'm not. I, I've, I've never experienced something like this. Um, truthfully, a lot of the racial bias goes more towards the Alaskan natives than anyone else, and it's, (laughs) I know this isn't a funny subject, pardon the laughter, it's just, it's uncomfortable to say this. It doesn't really matter where you come from, what you look like, racial bias looks the same, be it from, you know, one party to another, it's, it looks the same, because some of the Alaska natives that I've spoken to have said the same grievances that I've experienced in the lower 48. I'm like, Oh, it's okay. So it's, that's just what racism looks like that. Those are just the acts that happen. And it's, it's frustrating. Uh, it's it's very frustrating to see that we've made all this progress in life yet. We're still so far behind.
3: Yeah. So let's go to you leadership fire, Michael Jean grass. I mean, you you know you really focus on leadership and so first of all let's talk about you know your experience with your wife and other people in your circle but how do we lead to a change I mean we've been having the same conversation for 52 years it's just now it's it's being documented and so it's in people's face I love it you know Uh, somebody said, it's like, it's not that racism was, had gone away. It's just now we're filming it. We're seeing the abuse of power being filmed and we're seeing people being treated poorly. So, you know, how do we, how do we change that narrative and, and lead people to a different direction?
0: Well, I mean, that's an excellent question, but you know, when we can, as a nation, stand by and watch somebody murdered leadership starts right there not with the murderer right he's he's whatever i don't want to swear but the people that stood there next to him and allowed that to happen that's where leadership is needed having the courage to stand up and say no i will not allow this on my watch that is where leadership is required. Leadership is required to call it what it is, to say I see that, and that is wrong, and I won't stand for it. Too often in our lives, whether it's in the workplace, with our family, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, where somebody will make like a little joke and say, ha, it's just a joke. It's not a joke. It's not funny." We have been going through this for you know for what we would call this is the last 200 years, right, where we've had this this institutional problem with our country and without the ability to stand up and say, I see this, I don't know that there is another path forward. So leadership begins with the courage to stand up and say, it's in all of us to say, I can see it, it exists. And then to have these conversations, to get together with your diverse friends and and say, hey, I don't know how to handle this emotionally. So in my house, we've had those conversations, just like we were talking before we got on here. We're having those conversations. I don't know how to handle this as the teachers, leaders, speakers, mentors that we are, the the channels that we put out, the content that we grow, we're about solving problems and fixing problems and creating change and solution. And and this just is so big, we don't know how that we can affect change and how we can be that change agent that ripples throughout the world. Maybe I'm going along with a little Bobby Berg in me, but I just want to say, that if you want to be leadership in moments like these, if you want to help your family, your friends, stand on your integrity, your values, who you think you are, be that person to the outright world, outside world. Be the person that you want the world to be when it's uncomfortable. Be the person that you want the world to see when it's hard. Be the person that you want the world to see when it's inconvenient and say, I see it. It exists. This is real and enough is enough.
3: Amen to that. I mean, I, I, I love that because I know like when my daughter came to me and she's like, dad, what do I do? I said, look, we have to be the change that we want to see in the world. And as we become that change, we can then be the beacon for others to lead them to a better path. And and it does. It takes you. and one of the things that was most frustrating about watching that the murder of george floyd is you had three other guys any one of them could have changed it and people were going he can't breathe and they just were so caught up in their power that they were you know just dismissing it and and judy and i've had a lot of the discussion what would you have done would you have tackled the police guy and pushed him off you know what kind of and it takes courage to stand up and go you know what that is not right and i think that one of the you know as i reflect especially on uh martin luther king and malcolm x is what we what the country needed in the 60s in some ways is still what we need today we need somebody that can be the voice of peace and unification but you also need somebody that's gonna go you know, like my uh, Sean Art's cousin Kwame, burn it all down and start over, right? Because, and I know a lot of people get frustrated with the looting and all that stuff because it, in a lot of people's view, it distracts from the message. But it's like, how long can you kneel in protest in silence and not be heard? And so you need to have, you know, I'm coming to the realization that you got to have vo- both voices, and you know this is Sunday, so I'm going to go out out there. And and so you know, the, the Savior chased the guys out of the temple with a whip, saying, "You've defiled my house." And and you know that was the ultimate man of peace. And so if we can't have if we can't start having the dialogue, you know, to motivate change and be the the leader in our own world, like Michael's pointing out. Then we're going to be having these same conversations in ten and twenty years, and I don't want my grandkids to be having these same conversations. So, Neil, let's go to you, brother. how's your week been, and and the conversations been going on in your circles? I mean, it's been mostly the same,
2: and honestly, honestly, like it it started off really, really hard, just because I am African American male, and um. I mean, anger start just building up inside me. Hate start building up inside me. What should I do? And just luckily, you know, I have brothers. I have mentors. I also pray that's able to, like, simmer me down, just bring me back to reality and say, like, Neil, you don't move like this, so what can I do? And what I can do is, like, what what Mike had said is that, like, we are all leaders. Like, we all have came together to, to make a change in the world. And what you were just saying as far as, like, you said shine hard cousin said like let's let's burn it down so i devised a plan and the thing is you cannot build a house on sand you can't build a house on sand so before you actually start to to build a house you have to replace that sand with cement and and that goes all the way back to the constitution and I honestly believe that we have to rewrite the constitution at this moment because we're trying to actually rebuild right now on a constitution that was actually written in 1787 and enforced in 1789. At that point in time, we were still slaves at that moment. The constitution was was written by white people for white people, not for African Americans. So when you're thinking of the constitution it was not written for it, it doesn't really get to start addressed us until the 13th Amendment. So if you want to actually change, we have to change the Constitution, we have to rebuild the foundation. Before we want to move forward, because at the end of the day, this stuff is still going to keep happening if we don't have something set in place for a foundation. At the end of the day, I'm still a black man in America. I'm still an African-American. My sisters, my brother, we're still going through this. And just to jump back now to to 2020, what I'm tired of is like, we do have cameras and videos, but what you said, what should we do? Should we rush, should we tackle the officer? I really do believe it's gonna have to get to that point to where we're seeing an injustice like that. We're actually gonna have to step in. The, 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 the tough thing about it is that, it's going to be some more bloodshed with that, you know, because if somebody, if we start to step in, the officer is going to turn their gun on the person that's trying to help. But we have to do that because at the end of the day, we're seeing a routine. A killing happened. It, 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 it brings us together. We talk about it on our platforms. We hear about it on TV. And by the time we resolve that, when another killing has happened. So it's like, it, it, it ain't really no progress because we're still dealing, we still, I mean, for me, I was talking to Sean, for me, we, I started paying close attention to this with Trayvon Martin. That was just really a few years ago compared to where this stuff actually started. And we're still dealing with the effects of that and it's 2020. So what do we really do? Um, I know I'm long-winded, <laughs> shout out Bobby Bird but I'ma just, I'ma let y'all have it. Um, there's more to say. I know we got more time, but I just I just leave you with that. We're really gonna have to unify. Um, and I mean, all races, it's not just a black thing. This is all races. We're gonna have to unify and we're gonna have to make a difference. And I believe right now, 2020, that's
1: what we're starting to do. And Jody, if you don't mind, I just want to hop in. I'm sorry, but it's no, I
3: was actually going (laughs) to (laughs) go.
1: No, because it's um, I think it even goes deeper than that. Right. Because, yes, we can go in and we can change the laws. We can make changes. But I think that we need to start with the individuals first, because the reality is, as you're saying it, I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, like, bro, they ain't going to change the Constitution. Because you have to have, it's the people behind making that change that need to feel and want to make that change. So as I've been like, the, I developed like this little leadership development process and thinking about unconscious bias, we have to start and check ourselves. We have to, those individuals that are stopping these processes from happening. Are you even self-aware? Are you even aware? Like even when you were talking, Bobby, you're like, listen, it was only a couple of black families. I was the butt of the jokes. Hey, you know, I thought that was the norm but there's a level of self-awareness that we have to build. So the first thing you need to ask yourself is in regards to stereotypes, where are you learning? There's some things we need to unlearn. Like I talked about, um, like for instance, our our first teachers are our parents, we're around certain circles of friends, and then media has a big part to play. not picking on media, but they do have a big part to play on what we're watching. I've watched shows that's created a bias between me and black men. I've watched shows that's maybe looked at white women a certain way. I've watched shows that maybe look at girls that live in a certain area a certain kind of way. So you need to first check your stereotypes, where you're learning that from because what's happening is that stereotypes are turning into unconscious bias. So consciously, yes, you're aware but unconsciously, what you're feeding yourself, what conversations you have is building a certain type of stereotype in your mind where now when you interact with that person, you see that person, now your behavior is going to act one way versus the other. It's us against them. And now that's what evolves into a discriminatory act. So it always starts with self-awareness and the reality is are people willing to become more self-aware and say, you know what? I have been only watching this type of news. I have only been watching this aspect of the protest. I have only been um, having conversations with people in this circle because some of us aren't in diverse spaces. And I think one of the greatest spaces, excuse me, spaces that we're in that there is diversity is in the workspace. As a military member, I've ran into people that says, this is the first time I was around black people. And the military is the first time I was around Hispanic people. There were so many experiences that I've had that I'm blessed to have had because of the United States Air Force and the opportunities and the moving around. But I think it all ultimately starts with, yes, sometimes you're pushed into it because of the workspace you're in, but ultimately, Do you wanna become self-aware? Are you going to undo and unlearn some of those negative things you've um, embedded in your mindset that's turned into unconscious bias, that's turned into your behaviors being effective and now it's turned into discriminatory actions? Or you know, there's some people who don't wanna be self-aware. What they were grown up learning about is what they're going to believe. So will there stop being people that are racist or bigots out there? No. Because they believe what they believe. So it sounds good. And I'm going to just be real. It sounds amazing. I want it to be like that. But the reality is, do people want to become self-aware? Do they want to unlearn? Do they want to educate themselves? So now they can say, yes, in 2020, because the world is so diverse, let's make the changes now. And unfortunately, everybody doesn't want that. All right, that's my Bobby, I see yep. you living yep. a lot of
3: naughty, man. That's, yep. Let's go Let over me. to you, man. What are your thoughts? Hey,
2: let me just say something for like 30 seconds. It ain't what? even gonna be 30 seconds. Um, I agree a thousand percent with what she said. I don't believe it's it's like one or the other. I believe it's both. I really do believe with what she said. I believe it's about how which is on my other part of the plan that I haven't gotten to yet, but is it's about higher learning and um and education. And you can what, what she was saying, we can change the constitution, we can change, we can make all the laws if we do not change ourselves, it's not going to matter. And that's going to like, I'm going to get into that. But at the end of the day, I think it's both. I think you have to have a change in constitution, but you also have to have a change in yourself. So we will not continue to look divided and and, and have
3: unity amongst one another. All right, Bobby, and then we're going to jump over to Sean.
5: No, I just, I completely agree with what everyone's saying. it's, it's, in moments like this where terrible things are happening, I always look inward and I go, okay, what if, not that I was directly involved in this, but is there any way that I can facilitate a change, uh, you know, difference in discussion, like what can I do from where I'm at right now with the tools that I have? And it's just, it's, it's crazy hearing every, I mean, we all live in completely different portions of the world. And we're all saying the same thing or something very similar anyway. And it just it surprises me because you know the students that I'm working with that I'm coaching one-on-one through the summer into you know making their next school year a success, we've been having this discussion a lot. And not just during our scheduled coaching time, but I mean almost daily. And they're going, Bobby, I just I don't I feel like I'm doing enough. I don't feel like I'm I really know what I'm doing or how to fix this. And I keep bringing up the question with them, and I'm like, okay, but what have you done to facilitate a change within yourself with how you're approaching the situation? And I think the the problem that happens when, when mass issues like this occur, and we film it, and we all see it, and it becomes the norm, is we all have this conversation, and that's where it stops for so many people. So many people think that, oh, well, I had the conversation, cool. That's, that's a great start and good on you for putting yourself in that vulnerable spot. But now what, what's next? That's, that's the one thing I want anyone that's tuning in to really think about, like, what are you going to do after you've started the conversation? Because that's when the real change happens.
3: My brother, Sean.
4: Yeah, I I definitely agree with, with Bobby. It's like so many people, uh, are all in their social pockets, and they're comfortable. And many people are afraid to have those difficult, uncomfortable conversations. Because when you start to have those uncomfortable conversations, it, it begins to, you know, kind of, st- you know, if you have a, ever sat with someone and started having an uncomfortable conversation, they can kind of start moving around and squirming. And you can tell, like, it's, it's hitting them, and they don't know what to do. And then they start having these like, like nonverbal—I got—I have to call them little glitches where they like—they're like, they're looking around and they're no longer focusing on like you while you're talking because the things you're talking about is hitting them and it's like continue to have that and it's like feel that I want you to feel that like stay right there, don't try to get yourself comfortable, come out of that comfort zone and and let the, all this stuff hit you and I'm like. If people, because I've seen so many people having the, they are they were, they were silent during the, uh, the issue that caused the, the, rioting and the looting, but they didn't say anything, they didn't say much on that, but then they had a, something to say or post concerning the rioting and the protesting. But it's like, and it goes back to something that uh, that actor and um, civil rights activist uh, Jesse Williams said. A few years back at the BET Awards, he said, if you don't have any interest in, in the fight the, uh, and the, the freedoms of black people in, in this nation, then don't make suggestions for those who do. Like, sit down. Like, don't, don't get to that place where you're offering suggestions if you're okay with where everything is right now. And I think it's when you go back to your pockets of, of, of your social comforts. Have those difficult conversations. Just like when you come to, we come to circles and tables like this, we have those difficult conversations. Like Take those things you talk about here, take them to your, your social pockets and, and have those difficult conversations. But like, like we were saying, don't let it stop there. Like Have the difficult conversations and challenge those people around you and challenge yourself. If you don't challenge yourself and you don't challenge those people around you, it's just going to be a discussion you had that one day during that season or whatever that was going on with our nation. And then you walked away and that was it.